he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. By two for one pizza.com. Try two for one pizza's new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella, crispy bacon strips, and red onion finished with their delicious balsamic glaze. Visit two for one pizza.com as we welcome you back to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Julia Tasheri and Mike DeStefano. So pleased to be joined by our favorite and face of the franchise here at TSN, Frankie Corrado. Frankie, what is up, my friend? I don't know if you can call me the face of the franchise when our yeah. pal Death Row is kicking around, coming off a strong Aussie Open performance, but I appreciate that, Julia. Yes. Yeah, he is well, the face of TSN, yeah, Death that's Row. True. That's true. But you're rivaling him, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you're everywhere these days. Everywhere. You're on J on SC, SportsCenter, Overdrive, Leafs Lunch, The Morning Show, and you're calling hockey games. Yeah, buddy. Um... Wait, go ahead. What's you your agenda, though? <laughs> like, what's your? You always come in with an agenda. Like, I feel like usually you come in with three things off the top that you just wanted to tell us. Yeah, you know what? I'm I don't have to anything. Asking you questions off the I top. I know. I, I I I feel like I've been talking to you guys pretty frequently. Al's brother. I will say this: if there were a power rankings at TSN and TSN 1050 as far as who answers the phone and who calls me the most frequently, you would be tops on the list, <laughs> buddy. I really appreciate that. That's special. okay. So that's yeah. good. So it, does that mean I bother you when I call you or No, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. I love I love checking in and I'll I'll do the check in. Like I'll I'll drive to the studio today. I'm gonna do that's hockey with Gino. I will check in with a couple people, but the thing is if I get like if I get flushed or if someone doesn't pick up the phone, it's right on to the next person and I can yeah. always count on Al's brother to pick up the phone. Yeah. I I do. I'm actually I'm very good at like I like to talk on the phone. That's why. Like, there's some people out there. They're not talk on the phone type of people. But like I would prefer just to sit there and chat and as opposed to spend 45 minutes car. on text. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's the I best don't want to be to chat. I don't want to be alone with my thoughts too long. You know. Right. So yeah. if Al's brother can help me out with that, that's always nice. Always funny. <laughs> I'll always pick Fair up enough. the phone. Frankie Carrado, our TSN hockey analyst. And Frankie, that, that was kind of your first uh, little road trip, though. Your first road trip, at least as a hockey analyst and not a hockey player, when you went out to Calgary for that CHL on TSN Bedard game on Wednesday. So were you having flashbacks to days on the road as a player when you're all set up in your room? Tell, tell me all about <laughs> your first road trip as an analyst. I did. Yeah, it, it felt a lot like being a player. The only difference, I mean, the obvious difference is flying commercial rather than flying um, on the team <laughs> charter. But that kind of felt like the days where I would get called up. Like I'd get called ah. up from Utica or from Wilkes-Barre, and I'd have to hop on a commercial plane and meet the team somewhere. So that felt similar. But it was funny checking into the hotel in, in Calgary, and my most vivid memory of that hotel is that's where we were when my good buddy Dion Phaneuf got traded from the Toronto Maple Leafs to the Ottawa Senators. Um, oh. So I just I walk into that lobby and and it just hit me like it was yesterday where we all came downstairs for breakfast and we all kind of found out together that our beloved Dion guy that everyone loved on the team. Uh, was no longer going to be a, a teammate of ours, and, and that stung a little bit. So um, not that it's a bad memory, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. And then, you know, just even it was really cool, and I know we're going to get into Connor Bedard and, 
his game and um, you know what what we saw from him on Wednesday night. But it's so cool to be a part of this at not the grassroots level, but the level before he really takes off and and hits that super superstar mega star. Like you hit the NHL, it's a different it's a different level, it's a different field, it's a different stratosphere, and he's doing it at a in a junior hockey where in the WHL we haven't seen this from anyone in the past and and we're in the building for it you know like we're right yeah. there we're following the journey we're we're very close to it like it, it almost feels like it feels pretty special like i i'm i played pro hockey i i played my first nhl game i played in the stanley cup playoffs i i scored an nhl goals this is different but it still has that special meaning to it so I'm curious, Frankie, like you, you're a guy you've been able to, to watch. I mean, you've watched a lot of hockey, but Connor Bedard, we saw him do what he did at the Canadian, you know, for Team Canada at the World Junior Championships. But like when he's playing with his club team, like how are things different? How is he? He's obviously the guy, but he went into, what was there, 17, 19,000 people came to see him basically sold out the Saddle Dome. I mean, it's it's actually incredible what's going on. And He's putting on shows while he's there. Like he's literally saying, "Yeah, I am the guy. I am him." I mean, what uh, what more can you say about Carter Bedard and what you witnessed the other night in Calgary? I mean, just for context, so there was just over seventeen thousand um, seats sold at the Saddle Dome, and it, it's pretty close to a sellout. Like there was maybe some seats up near the ceiling that were available, but like that was it. It was packed. And the night before in Red Deer, they actually set an attendance record. Um, in Red Deer, so I thought that was cool. That was well above 7,000 in that building. So everywhere he's going right now, it's like a, a traveling uh, road show. It's like Bedard Mania, where everywhere he goes, there's there's people waiting for autographs outside the hotels like there is in the NHL. We call them seekers. Al's brother, you might be familiar with the term since you're a big hockey card guy. Um, Were you a seeker, but, AB? Were you ever outside no. the ice dogs <laughs> no, I rink? never did that. Okay. No. Al's brother's not a he, he's a he's a, a silent seeker. He seeks from his own basement in Niagara. Yeah, no, what I, I did. The seekers in Halifax outside the rank. The Bedard seekers in Halifax were out of control. Oh, yeah. It's awesome though. Yeah, but you know what? So, so there's that, and then just think about the pressure for this young guy, and he always delivers, like every yeah. single night. And you think about, so he's played under 18s, he's played two World Juniors. We know what he did, all the records he set. Um, you know the fact that he was so dominant. And, you know, when, when pressure follows this kid around, it seems like he rises to it every single time and he performs well in the most clutch of moments. And on Wednesday night, you know, he scored the first goal of the game for Regina. Um, he added an assist on what we thought was another goal for Bedard. But, of course, he scores the shootout winner. And so it, it really puts it into perspective that, yes, all these people want to see him. People are flocking to see Connor Bedard. But every single time, it's like he doesn't feel that pressure. He doesn't even notice it, or he's just so clutch, and he's he's coming up with these big performances night after night. And you you think about like an NHL player, a guy like Crosby, a guy like McDavid. These guys are adults, you know, like they've been in the league a long time. There's a certain uh, process that they've gone through and and grown through to to be the players they are. And this guy's doing it at 17 years old. He's incredibly mature. We were really lucky during the day. Victor Finley, who did the play by play. Um, and myself were able to go have a chat with Connor and a couple of his teammates at the hotel and, um, you know, just talk to him. Like, we, we didn't want to ask him anything formal, anything about his game or, 
you know, those cookie cutter kind of questions. We asked him about food. We asked him about life, about um, his experience playing hockey in Sweden and if he liked the coffee or if he liked the food. Like, it was just and, – and the thing that was really cool about it, he smiles He's got a great personality. He looks you in the eye. He can keep a conversation going, which, you know, Julia, you've interviewed a, a, a ton of hockey players now um, over your years, even rinkside reporting or even, you know, in scrums. Eye contact is a real something-something from a hockey player. Like, that it's, is special, especially from a 17-year-old kid. Right. And and how many guys do you feel like it's you're trying to have a conversation? It's like pulling teeth, right? Yeah. And, and this kid, like, he's so engaging. He's so humble. He's such a, like, such a quality human being. And so when you see him play as well, like, of course you want him to do well, but, um, you know, there's no questions as to why. He's so well put together. So, I mean, like, you talk about, talk about the stratosphere that this guy is in. It's like McDavid, Crosby, Lindros. Like, that's who we've seen. And I, I, I'm too young for Lindros, and you guys are as well, so I don't know what that was like when he was with the Oshawa Generals, but you hear stories. Yeah. And, yeah. like, it's like he lives up to it every single time. Yeah, so impressive, like, in the spotlight. And just like you were saying, Frankie, I, I always – I really enjoyed talking to him at the World Juniors, my little stop and chats with Connie pregame. He's, he's such a good good kid, and he – Connie. Like, I, Connie. I like, I, Isn't it Betsy? Connie Bedsy. I wouldn't Bezzy, like Connie. I think is the name. If my, if my name was Connor, I would probably – No, Connie, I was just, like, calling him in – the control room, honestly, to make everyone laugh, and then it just came out on the air right now. So uh. that, that was like more just to get Carlo laughing when we were going on the air, and it worked. By the way, exceptional was the word you, you should have used to describe him. Come on. Well, Julia, we heard that. We, we heard you chirping us, and then we came back for the second period, and we I did heard. use the word exceptional. So shout out to our pal Julia to Sherry back in yeah. studio. The funny part of that was Carlo and I were both dying to get a chirp in on, on you guys when when you threw it back to us it's like we're doing a well, professional so that's, broadcast that's the of beautiful thing. and we're all trying to get chirps in at one another <laughs> that's the good thing about having the the play-by-play and the the color microphone is we got it for 20 minutes and if there's yeah. something we want to get in on you or carlo we got way more time than you because you're against the clock <laughs> in the studio it's like you're right we got a three minute chat we got three videos that are gonna play like we got to get to it we got all day on the broadcast yeah, yeah, you're right. Frankie Corrado, guys, our TSN hockey analyst, who is headed to Miami this weekend. You're continuing your your world tour as uh, your newfound NHL analyst stardom, and, and you're headed somewhere hot for All-Star break. Is this kind of even more reminiscent of your days as an NHL player? Like, when you were in the league, what did your All-Star break look like? My All-Star breaks were really boring. Um, and, no, not really boring. They just weren't e- extravagant. Um yeah, like so my wife was in law school when right. when I was in the league. So most of the time it was going to see her or she would um come to Toronto or wherever I was playing. Um and you know obviously she's in law school. So she needs to study, she needs to be available for for whatever uh assignments she need, needed to do. So we never really got anywhere warm. Uh we went to a couple quick trips just, you know, in the northern hemisphere, if you want to call it that, where it's still snowy. Um, but, yeah, we never we never really got up to anything uh, too crazy. And then early on in my career, I was one of those players that was on an entry level. So if I was up or if I was down, there was always a chance. It's like, hey, don't book anything because you could be heading oh. back to the minors. Um, right. So the one year with Vancouver, I didn't book anything. We, we actually finished our, our right before the All-Star break in Tampa Bay, 
Um, and they told me after the game, yeah, we're going to bring you to Vancouver with us. Uh, I guess they, they were short defensemen. They didn't want me going to the minors and potentially getting hurt and then not having a, you know, a replacement call up afterwards. So I spent that whole all-star break basically by myself in, in Vancouver and just logged, oh. logged a lot of hours eating lunch at Cactus Club. Nice. <laughs> I think that yeah. actually that that happened to Pontus Holmberg and uh, Joe Wall both got sent down to, to the American League. So I mean that that's I guess what happens when you're on an ELC. It's just part of the game. Part of I the suppose. grind. Yeah. That's part of the grind, right? Like you're you're a young kid. You're trying to earn your way into the league, and and I think and a lot of teams will do this where they send guys who are tweener guys, up and down guys, send them down for All Star break. It's like you got to get as many games as you can at that age. Yeah. And yeah. that was, you know, we obviously know my story after that, but um, I agree with that. I really do. Like, I, I think you want to give guys a certain amount of rest, but if you're a, a young player who's maybe you've been healthy scratched here and there and you just haven't had a, you know, an intense workload, get down there, play some games. Um, and then you come back up. A lot of times, what happens when, with, with players when they do that is because they're they're kind of dialed in at an NHL level. They go down for the All Star break. They play a couple games in the American Hockey League, and they see the difference, right? Like it's it's really cool to see how quick your game can change. And so if you keep your level high, the way it would be in the National Hockey League, down on those few games in the AHL, and you come back up, it's a really good eye opener. Um, and you see a lot of guys kind of take off from there. It's um, it just puts things in perspective for you. Well, I'm curious, Frankie. Let's let's get some hockey talk in here. It feels like we haven't talked a lot of hockey today. Just like <laughs> kind of a fun Friday All Star weekend. But we're talking about you know guys who've come up and down from the minors, and there's been a lot of them actually for Toronto. And you know we heard last year at the end of end of your presser that Kyle Dubas said we need some of these Marlies guys to start challenging for some of these bottom of the roster spots. And you know I think the salary cap is a big reason for that, but also you just want to see that that development path from you know the the ECHL to the AHL and through the NHL that it's working with the Maple Leafs organization. And we've seen a number of guys, Holmberg, McMahon, Joey Anderson's up here right now. Um, there's probably a couple more that I'm just kind of forgetting, but there's been, I mean, defensively, Mac Hollowell came up and he was a, a solid player while he was here. I mean, of the guys who've come up through the minor leagues, is there anyone that you look at and you say, okay, he could be a player for this team down the stretch who is pushing themselves into an everyday roster spot? Yeah, the thing about the Leaf system is they haven't had high picks. So they're not picking high in the first round. That means they're not picking high in the second round, so on and so forth. So they have a lot of a similar type of player. Let's say it's like a nice player. It's a good player, but it's not very high end. You know how some organizations, they have that one blue chip guy, and I guess you can say it's Matthew Nyes, but he's not playing for the Marlies yet, so we'll exclude him from this, let's say. But... You know, you see certain guys or certain teams around the league, and it's like they got that one guy that you know this is the player in waiting. This is the guy. Just give him a little more time. He's going to season a little bit in the minors, but, whoa, when he comes up, man, this guy's going to be a big deal. They don't have that. They have a lot of the guys in the same kind of category. So out of the guys that we've seen, like, I really like Pontus Holmberg. I do think there probably is even more offense there, and I think part of his transition is – learning the North American game, learning the style, even learning the language, which has been a, you know, a learning curve for him. But he's on a great 
trajectory. He seems like he's always kind of trending upwards. Um, I've been impressed with Bobby McMahon. Just, I know it's it's not super high end skill, but it, it's a good role for the team. Like he fits a nice niche as a bigger guy, leans on you, can come up with pucks. Um, I think I talked about this after his debut. There was um, one of the games where you just see him make so many smart little plays along the wall, and that's where a lot of guys struggle uh, when they do come up from the minors. It's like those wingers on the wall in your own zone. Um, it, it's it's a tough job. There's a defenseman coming downhill on you. There's another player converging on you. It's like it's got to be a slip pass under a stick or it's got to be a smart decision out into the neutral zone. So he's done that a number of times. And uh, Mac Hollow, I believe, is injured right now yeah. on the Marlies, but he has shown that he has some puck-moving abilities and he's a, he's a smaller guy. The thing about being a smaller guy, you better be really good at moving the puck, right? Like we see that with Sandine. Like, he... For, you know, every once in a while he has a bad game, and I know that was the case against Boston, but overall he moves the puck exceptionally well. Um, but I think ultimately, Al's brother, the, the best message that you can send to these young players on the Marlies is watch a guy like Timothy Lilligren. What did he spend in the, with the Marlies? Four years? Forever, right? like he spent, it felt wow. like. like yeah. it, it felt like he was there a long, long time. And yes, because he started at 18, which CHL players cannot do. So if you're a CHL player, you turn pro at 20. That means you're waiting until 24, let's say, until you make the jump. But if you have that mindset and you believe in the organization and the organization communicates and believes in you um, that you can be that guy, and you, as a player, you can kind of wrap your head around that. You can buy into it. You say, if I do X, Y, and Z and I stick to this in four years, you know, there's a good chance I'm in that same situation. And now we talk about Lilligren as a guy who has come up from the Marlies and now makes a big impact in a positive way on his team. Um, but at some point, yeah, you're going to need more guys to take more of a, a step forward when it comes to, you know, moving on from the Marlies to the Maple Leafs. Yeah, Timothy Lilligren, like Exhibit A. So which one of those uh, bottom six-ish type guys, Frankie the McMahons, the, the Andersons of the world, which one of those guys do you think has the skill set that could best translate potentially to being part of a postseason roster? I think Holmberg. For me, it's Holmberg, and I think my second, if, if you're going to say those three guys, Holmberg would be my number one. I just think he's um, he's very positionally aware yeah. Um, and I think that's a big deal in the playoffs. And, you know, Travis Green was, was my head coach in Utica when we went to the Calder Cup finals. And it was so interesting doing video sessions with him, especially in the power, or, or sorry, in the playoffs, because y you think you know when the momentum has swung in a game. But he would take you back maybe 45 seconds, a minute 15, before you thought the momentum swung and say, actually, because you weren't here, that led to this and that's where we really felt the momentum swing but if you were doing something a little more subtle there if you're in the right position and so when when i think of pontus holmberg i think of that's the guy who can win you what may seem like a mundane battle somewhere on the wall or somewhere in the middle of the ice and, and that could make a difference as far as momentum swings in a game the other guy is mcmahon like he would be my second guy just because of his physical attributes and the way he can play a heavier kind of game and I think Joey Anderson probably, he might have better hands or if you want to even say a little more skill than those two guys. I just, I don't see the fit as far as roles and identities go, but give Joey Anderson a lot of credit. Like he's, he got traded here for what? Was it Andreas Johansson? Right. Yeah. And, and he's kind of, 
stuck around in this organization and he's shown that his his feet have gotten much better and he can play with a little more pace now so from a you know from an individual player's point of view you can see that this player has obviously put in the work um they've identified what they need to see from him and now he's executing at it so um listen i, I think that's a good sign if you're an organization and you see players who have been in your organization for two three years and, and you're seeing improvement and you're not seeing them get stagnant along the way in conversation with Frank Corrado, our TSN hockey analyst. Uh, Frankie, you know, you brought up Sandine and maybe the, the struggles that he had the other night against Boston, and it became a, a big talking point about whether or not this team might need to add a little bit of bulk, maybe a different element to the blue line. I, as someone who played you know, on the blue line for the Maple Leafs, played in the games, played in the playoffs, do you subscribe to that where, where maybe the Leafs do need to get a little something, a little bulkier, somebody who makes it tough to play against in front of the net? Um, yeah, I would say uh, in front of the net, yes. The, the, the Here's where I see it come into play a little bit more. A team like Boston, teams like Tampa, they want to play down low in your zone. They want to play below uh, the goal line, let's say, behind your net. One of the harder things for like like a slender kind of built, smaller defenseman to do is to break up cycles. Yeah. Um, bigger guys, they're just they have a little more of a knack to be able to get a long reach in there, end a cycle, or kind of just stop someone's momentum. And so that was one of the things I felt like I struggled with as a player. It's like I was six foot one, 190 pounds. It's like very average, right? And sometimes very average doesn't cut it when there's some bigger guys with some speed who are getting their cycle game going and they're kind of rolling around and you're like, I just need to get through this guy's arms. I know if I do that, I can stop his momentum, but you can't because guys are big, they're strong, they use their bodies to protect the puck. So in that regard, yes. But what I will say, I don't think that's the priority still. Even to this day, I still don't think that's the priority for this Leafs team. I think if you can add a complementary piece um, with with a, a current, you know, whatever currency you think you have to go out and get that, maybe it's a bigger guy that doesn't cost you that much, I'm cool with that. But number one priority is has to be a scoring winger. It has to be. You need to find a way to outscore the other team, and that has been the biggest issue for them in Game 7s. Power play's gone dry. Star players weren't able to score goals. They were able to score goals in other games. It's just you're not going to be able to do it every single night, and you can make the point that this team has really pushed their chips in on having the big four up front, right? So why not just... You, why not double down on that now and just say, okay, we're going big five. Like we we have added someone now who can add a little more firepower, a little more scoring. You are what you are, and right. I I would place a little more emphasis on that. So who's that guy, Frankie? Because you know I know you're just like me. You're sitting at home and you're going on cap friendly. You're looking at all these rosters. You're saying, all right, who could help the Maple Leafs? Who's that guy that you've looked at and you said this would be an interesting addition? Well, listen, it's 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 time to go big game hunting and, and I don't like the cap is it sucks, okay? Like it sucks that we always have to deal about with, with the cap and, and as Carlo pointed out on Twitter the other day, do all the math equations to see if a, a player can, can fit within the cap structure, okay? It's it's ridiculous. But Timo Meyer, for me, it's like just go get that guy. Like the, mm. because you can say that, well, you don't want to give up your future and, and this and that. And they, that's fine. I look at Tampa. Are they getting any worse next year? Like, we thought Boston was going to be bad this year. Do you think that they're just going to fall off a cliff again? Like, 
we, we can't just assume that Boston and Tampa are just going to magically fall off a cliff and it's like, oh, now it's the Leafs' turn. It doesn't work that way, right? So go find yourself a player that can really help your team. And if you can't get that guy, if you can't make him make it work, I, I, Al's brother, there's a lot of players that are in that same kind of c- category now. Like, is it Barbashev? Is it Domi? Is it, like, JVR? I, the, the, the numbers obviously make it difficult for you to bring in certain players, and, and I get that, but... There's a reason why Kyle Dubas has surrounded himself with creative, smart people because you knew that this was going to be the situation. You were going to have to find ways to do cap gymnastics and make creative moves. So they're they're well-equipped to make those kinds of moves if they have to. Well, we'll see what happens. It's a month until the NHL trade deadline, so... I'd imagine lots of conversations will be uh, sparked up over the next few weeks about it. So, And well, hopefully we get answers sooner rather well, than later, too. And Al's brother, you and I will have those conversations in the car. Yes, or we will. Or wherever. Love it. When you answer the yes, phone. Yes, we will. But <laughs> enjoy, and I always do, man. I always do. But enjoy yourself, pal. You're off uh, to the sun. And I'm. we got this polar vortex coming. going to be like 30 below zero, and you're going into the 30 Florida sun. I just, I hate you. That's, that's what I want to tell you, because I hate you. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. All right, bud. Enjoy your vacay. Uh, you deserve it, bud. It's one of the hardest-working people at TSN right now. You're doing it all, and you have some much-deserved vacay time with you and the lovely wife. Enjoy it. We'll chat soon, pal. Thanks. All right. There he goes. Frank Corrado, our TSN hockey analyst, former NHLer. Steph oh, threw out Steph threw in the chat. I, I didn't have I didn't want to ask him because I didn't want to embarrass him on live radio, but yeah. Steph threw out in the chat. Who do you think packs him or his wife? Honestly, I guarantee you his wife packs his bags. I don't, I don't even, know. Jessica has stuff to do. She's grinding. She's got she's a lawyer. She's got lawyer things to do. Frankie seems to be a very functional human and because uh, his wife has her own boss babe stuff to do. Yeah, but at the same time, I just, I don't know. I got the feeling that, like, and he when you would pack probably for not so many NHL everything. road trips, like, he's probably got a pretty efficient system happening. More so yeah. than other guys who don't travel as much. I don't know. I'm really trying to be for Team Frankie right now. I want to believe he can pack his own <laughs> gitch in a bag. I really do. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, all right, JT. We got to take a break, but uh, TSM put out this top 25 list yesterday. We had to talk about it. There's some risers, some fallers. Austin Matthews was probably one of the more polarizing slottings uh, of this list. We'll chat about it on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tichieri. Here's some Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Matthews has done it again! Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Okay, welcome back. It's All-Star Weekend Friday here on Leafs Lunch with Julie Tashiri and Mike DiStefano. We've been kind of partying all afternoon long from CJ to Arda to Frankie, so we're settling it down now to chat a little bit about something that came out on TSN yesterday. TSN Top 25 mid-season ranking so it's uh it, it's kind of a little bit of a twist on on tsn's top 100 it's a mid-season evaluation of how all the nhl players have performed to this point in the season and if they've maintained their position uh on our top 25 list based on 
how they've played to this point in the year. And it's no surprise to anyone based on his tear and based on his history that Connor McDavid unanimously was voted number one, maintained his number one spot, but uh, pretty much nobody else did. Everybody else had a little bit of movement happening. Yeah, and I think because, like, when you look at this, and I think there was maybe some confusion about what, how people perceived this list. Right. Because the way that I perceived it was like, as if hockey never existed, and they dropped hockey onto planet Earth today, who had been the top 25 from, was it October 13th was the date? From October 13th onward, all of hockey history was wiped. Who had been the top 25 guys this season? So I don't know if there was a discrepancy because I saw a lot of you know kind of people online buzzing, and namely because Austin Matthews dropped from number two all the way to twenty three, and it was like wow, talk about recency bias much. Well, yeah, because it, this is literally what it was. It was based it literally on recency was made bias of recency bias. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of just like the last fifty games. That's all that this list is based on. It's like the first, the fifty games that the players have played to this point pre All Star break, and you know Austin Matthews going to number twenty three, like that sucks, and a lot of Leaf fans probably hate it. Yeah. But I mean, we've talked about how this year it just hasn't been as special as it was a season ago. I mean, could you argue that he should be a little bit higher potentially? Like if I was to make this list, I would probably have him a little higher than than twenty three. But you know, I, I still think that ultimately we expected. Maybe we had too high expectations on Austin Matthews, and sometimes I don't know. What do you think, AB? Like, I, I thought MJ had an interesting point. Was it on Overdrive or was it on First Up? He said uh, that some. I think he. It was on that's hockey with Gino, and Gino asked yeah. him, "Was the sixty goals an anomaly?" Like some people, like there's been. Was it a one-off that he got 60 goals? And MJ yeah. said, actually, this year kind of feels like the anomaly, which is true. Like, he was on pace to score 50 both years that the league got canceled because of COVID and shortened. And in an 82-game season, he very well probably would have, according to the numbers, hit that 50-goal mark. And this right. year, we've heard he's been battling injury. He he missed those couple games a few weeks ago. Um to get healthy, we heard he was battling cold, but we know there was a lingering bit of injury there, and now again he's out with that knee sprain. So, so this year, the more that I think about it, even though that it makes me have a little bit of an existential crisis that Austin Matthews isn't going to get <laughs> 50 or 60 goals probably this year, it does feel like this year to me it is the outlier. Yeah, right? no, I I would yeah. agree with that. Like he's he's been fighting it a little bit this year, but I also don't know if. Like, coming into the year, we were talking 70, 70 goals, like, yeah. as, as a possibility, right? And I don't know if that was ever realistic. Like, I think last season, he did get to 60. And could he get to 60 again? Sure he could. But a lot went right last year. So much went right. And that doesn't always happen. So, you know, not to say that he's a worse player than he was a year ago, because in ways, like, we had... We had uh, Jimmy Ralph, I believe, was on with us. Uh, maybe it was Bonesy. One of those two were on with us a, a couple of weeks ago. And he said, you know... You know, Matthews isn't scoring the puck as much, but I think that his overall game has actually grown from last season. Like, he's the guy who's playing a little bit more committed on the defensive side of his game than he is. Is that costing him some offense? Perhaps it is. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I get that people looking at this and how do you drop from 2 to 23? And, yeah. I mean, again, I just think it's the fact that the injuries that he's had this season hasn't played a lot, all of the games. And then he struggled a little bit to start the year, and you expected. So I think it's just based on there's high expectations on him, which deservedly so, based off the year he had a year ago. And he just hasn't lived up to them. You could, 
there's plenty of reasons why that's been the case that you noticed that you just noted the injuries, you know, just kind of struggling to put the puck in the back of the net, nagging things. But ultimately, has he been one of the top 20 performers this season? Maybe he hasn't been. No, he well, he he's not in our did we even say where he fell to? 23, yeah. He fell to 23, so no, he's not in the top 20 on this list, at least this season. But I, to be fair, there's been a lot of guys who have shot up on this list. Tage Thompson, most notably, I think had the biggest rise from... Uh, deservedly so. Deservedly so. He wasn't even ranked on our... He wasn't in our top 50 ahead of the season, and he's skyrocketed this year to number four on the list. And, and like you said, A.B., deservedly so. He's on another level this year. Yeah. The guy's got, what, like 34, 35 goals by the All-Star break? Like, it's insane. I, I know he had a big season last year with 38, but now he's sitting here, and he's fifth in league scoring with 68 points and third in goals with 34 goals. So, I mean, the guy's just on an absolute tear. Uh, so it makes sense that he's rocketed up the, the leaderboard series. He's been phenomenal, absolutely yeah. fantastic. Jack Hughes has rocketed up. He was 49th in the top 50 at the start of the year. He's in the top 10 at ninth. He's another guy who's having himself an amazing breakout season. One of the, like, Wayne Gretzky literally said the other day. Crazy. Like, said, you know, if there's a guy who can catch him. Now, I would love to kind of push on that and say, well, what do you mean? And in terms of like as a player points this year, but I mean, Jack Hughes, another guy who's just having a phenomenal year. And certainly when you look at it this season, top 10, who's been one of the best players. I think you got to put Jack Hughes in there. So, I mean, when guys rise, Eric Carlson's up there, Linus Allmark, who are both unranked at the start of the season, when they rise, some guys are bound to fall. And unfortunately, Austin Matthews, I think had one of the bigger falls um, from number two all the way to 23. But even like Mitch Marner fell. He was 12th and fell to, to 14. He's ranked as the 14th best player at the midseason rankings. Then there was one more Maple Leaf in William Nylander who got himself into this ranking at number 20. So a top 20 player to this point in the season, according to our TSN uh, ranking system here, or the TSN top 25, which honestly... Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 hard to argue otherwise. He's been spectacular, and uh, I mean, one of the he wasn't biggest even ranked snubs. to start the year. Ab, yeah, no. he was one of the guys left off. But uh, one of the bigger snubs at the start of the year. But even the fact that he's not the All Star break. I mean, we've Urgh. we've talked about this a lot. It's it's just ridiculous that he's not there. I mean, we think he. I think he probably should have been there over over Mitch. To be honest with you, um, the fact that he's not even there at all, I, I think, speaks to how flawed the All-Star game is and the way that they vote guys in because um, he's having just a phenomenal year and deservedly is getting the recognition from the guys uh, who, who put together this list here at TSN. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Anything else jump off the page to you here? Uh, like the Allmark thing is interesting. Eric Carlson getting back into the mix, number yep. seven on this uh, ranking to this point in this year and, and wasn't ranked at all at the beginning of the season, which is not surprising, but just one of the best resurgences I can think of in, in recent history, honestly. So one of the funnier ones, I think, and yes, absolutely, to, to back off your, your Eric Carlson point, like no one expected this to happen, what what he's doing. Leader, I think, right now uh, on FanDuel in terms of the betting odds to win the uh, the, the Norris Trophy. Like he's single-handedly 
making San Jose hockey watchable right now, I would say. And I, I'll be curious to see if he gets dealt. Like, I know that was a big conversation earlier in the year, but, like, that contract is still, like, eh, and I know he's having a resurgence, but how long could it last? You know, he's over the over yeah. the age of 30 now, and it's like, eh, let's see what happens with Eric Carlson going forward. But did you see, so funny enough, Leon Dreisaitl comes in at number two on this list, and, I mean, that's not a, a massive surprise. He comes up from four to two. But did you see him talking about it the other day, how he hasn't been too thrilled with his season? Like, that's – how can you not be thrilled with a year where you're second in the league with 76 points and not be happy with it? I don't know. I don't know if that was a hero comment. There's something about this Edmonton Oilers group to me, A.B., that's a little bit grizzled, maybe more so than this Leafs team because they had the experience of going to the conference finals last year because Dreisaitl went on that incredible robotic – tear with a broken high leg. ankle sprain nonetheless <laughs> yeah. mcdavid had the team on his back too like that was something really special and and i think created a lot of character in that edmonton oilers team to me mm. and when i heard dry say that first of all i was like okay hero and rolled my eyes but also <laughs> it reminded me of what nathan mckinnon said the year before he won the Stanley Cup, which was, oh, yeah. I haven't won a bleep yet. I think going a little bit deeper in the playoffs gives you, like, you losing year after year in the first round, I'm sure, gives you a chip on your shoulder. But it also probably creates a little bit of a mental hurdle. I think what the Oilers did last year has created just a little bit of swagger to them, a little bit of a chip in their shoulder. I don't know. They, that, that, that's an edgy thing to say from, from Dry Saddle, even if it's, like you said, to your point, a total hero comment. Like, yeah, I'm not happy you know with what? my play. Jesus, Dry Saddle, what do you want? You know what, though? Like, it's, it's, that's a really good comparison, actually, to, to pull from. You know, Nate McKinnon, and, and obviously he said I was uh, – the comment was I've been in this league for seven years and I haven't won bleep. And I think Dreisaitl is in the, in the exact same point now at his point in, in his career. He's been in the league for a long time. And, and finally he had that little taste last year where they went to the conference final. And I, I, I just get the sense that when you get that – opportunity when you get that far and you look at your team you say well we're going to the playoffs i know earlier that the oilers had their little you know we thought well maybe they won't make it i think they will evander kane's back they're actually getting some decent goaltending from both Stuart skinner and jack campbell i think this team's going to the playoffs i think this team could win the division like that division is still up for grabs if we're being completely honest Mm -hmm. so i don't think regular season really matters to him i think he wants to make sure that he has his game in form for postseason, and maybe that's what he's basically on. He's like, yeah, we're picking up points here, a lot of which coming on the power play, which I think maybe he uh, uh, is alluding to deep down, that their five-on-five play, that's what's got to improve for for them going forward. And maybe he realizes, like, you know, the way that we're playing right now, yeah, we're picking up points in the regular season, but we know what we have to get to to get to the playoffs. And perhaps that's what he's ultimately talking about in his game. I need to get my game to playoff form. It's not there yet. Picking up points, Sure. But it's not it routed out into Stanley Cup form, right? Talk about those Stanley yeah. Cup habits that Sheldon Keefe always talked about. Maybe that's what he's referring to here. Ah, uh, Stanley Cup habits. What a throwback uh. on this fine Friday. Yeah, you're right. Some something about that that run they went on last year, Abe. Just makes me think they have a little bit, a little bit of swagger and a little bit of that been there, been there attitude. And, and that quote from Drysaddle really highlighted it for me. The last calendar month. The Edmonton Oilers have been the second best team in the NHL in terms of expected goal differential. 58% expected goals for number one 
in the NHL in uh, five-on-five offense and expected goals at 3.38. And were they in actual goals? Second behind the <laughs> Seattle Kraken in, uh, in actual goals scored. So, you know, this is a team that since they got Evander came back, which we thought potentially could be a catalyst for, you know, putting this team into that playoff really cement themselves as a playoff team, it seems to have worked. It seems Correct. to have happened. And yeah. they got themselves playing pretty, even defensively. They're fifth in the last calendar month in, you know, the defensive metrics. So yeah, just all around, they're, they're, I think this team has a chance to win that division. And, I mean, they could do some damage. McDavid, yeah. Dreisaitl, they really, really could if they can get good goaltending out of Stu Skinner, who's down at the All-Star game tonight, and Jack Campbell, who was there a season ago. Yeah, you know, Maple we Leafs. never thought that Jack Campbell forgot how to play hockey, but we eh. watched, we covered him all last year in Toronto. <laughs> he has really high highs and he has really low lows, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went on a hot stretch and then went on another cold streak. Like that, that yeah. was it. Was just kind of a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Is is the Jack Campbell experience? You know? Yeah, like he gave that glimmer. Like the, the good thing that Edmonton maybe has to bank on. He's played well in the playoffs, right? Yep. You think about the two seasons that he started in Montreal and last year, uh, you know, he did play well in the playoffs. So right. that's something that Edmonton probably is hoping that uh, that $5 million payday that he got earlier this year, that can come around and he can, you know, they can make good on that come playoff time. Because so far, eh, it's been a little up and down. It's been better of late. We'll give him credit on that. All right, JT, on the other side, we got to give some awards out to end the week. We got the Leafies coming up next. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashery. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Honor. Prestige. A celebration of... The waitress tripped on the court. Presenting... The Leafies, a celebration of Leafness. What am I going to do with the award? Nothing. That's the least of my concerns right now. On TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win. A $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword LUNCH and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. Okay, it is time to hand out some awards from the week that was here in Leafs Nation. And to recap it for you, it was a 6-2 loss to the Sens on Friday night in which was a very forgettable throw-the-tape-away kind of game. A win over the Washington Capitals on Sunday, 5-1 to one in John Tavares' thousandth game, and then a loss on Wednesday to the Boston Bruins, 5-2 to two at home. Uh, A.B., the Dougie this week. It feels like very appropriate to hand it to John Tavares for his thousandth, thousandth game in the league, and, and a guy that was pretty good in all three of those Leaf games. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably appropriate. Like he's a guy who's playing some of the the best hockey we've seen in the last couple of seasons. So, and, and you know, the last really two weeks, I think he's probably been the Dougie. So it, it makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, and just you know, it's a thousand games. Let's just give him a little bit of credit for it. Yeah, and and he reached it so young too. Like we've gone on and on about John Tavares this week, but he deserves every bit of it. Uh, okay, continuing the Carlisle slash the Rhymer, the just okay player. This week, uh, it was an ugly one against Ottawa, and uh, 
not an ugly one against Boston, but not a cute one against Boston. So a few candidates for this one. Uh, yeah. But I think it'll probably be Samsonov this week is, is the easiest guy to hand it to. We also have to hand him some, hand him some credit because he's taken on a pretty aggressive workload like right now. And, and we heard after the game against the, the Bruins on Wednesday that he is a survivor of the sniffles, which we give full respect to. Because <laughs> it's no fun to play hockey when you have the sniffles, but not his best week this week, A.B., yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, you look at the game. He was in a tough spot against Ottawa, but you give up six goals there. Have a terrific game against his former team in the Washington Capitals. Only gave up one. And then a real stinker out of his part in the second and third period in um, in, in Boston. So if you look at it, that's probably much the definition. Like, he was just okay. He had one really good game and two not-so-great games. So that's pretty well, I think, a, a good good person to give it to. Also, maybe an honorable mention David Camp. David Camp's yeah. just been just okay recently. He's been on the ice for a goal against in five of the last six games, and um, him, you know, that play allowing AJ Greer to get past him at Boston, drop the stick, and you know, that's just you know left a little sour taste in your mouth. Considering that his track record the last little bit of being on the ice for goals against, that just didn't sit that right with me, I suppose. So, and we typically give him the vibe, but tonight I think he's. Honorable mention for the, the Reimer Carlisle. But the Vive, I think we got to give to Mo. Finally got off the schneid, scored his first goal of the season this week. So I think Morgan Riley deserves to get, to, to get the Vive. We can't forget about it. Yeah, we have to say Siakam, also William Nylander for underrated because of their all-star snubs, and Frank Corrado as well, our favorite former Leaf, or one of our favorite former Leafs, for, for being snubbed and participating from our TSN Top 25 list. It's, it's unacceptable. It can't happen anymore. Absolutely. So I agree with that one. All right, the last one that I think we have time to hand out is the Wendell. Wayne Simmons. I'm giving it to Wayne Simmons. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a guy nice. who has got... I mean, just the, you think about the fight that he got into against Boston. Ed Greer didn't have to give him that fight, but he does, rings his bell, goes to the bench, looks directly at the bench, and says, let's bleeping go, boys. And they go out, they score a goal. Simmons is always going to be the heart and soul when he's out there. So, that was Pete um, yeah. yeah, and he got a couple of games this week, so he definitely deserves uh, the award there. All right, that does it for us today. Uh, does it for us for the weekend. Fun week. All-star festivities going down tonight, game tomorrow, so enjoy that. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the Art Radio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Goss, coming up next.